Thank you for listening to the Crossridge Podcast. For more information about Crossridge Church, visit our social medias or go to our website at crclife.org. We hope you enjoy the message. You guys can be seated. It gets me fired up to worship with you guys. The worship band does an amazing time uh, just being able to display God's work. Amen? Well, to get started, I would like to introduce myself. I am not Pastor Mark. Matter of fact, he's like 6'2", 6'3", and on a good day with boots, I'm like 5'9 and a half. So uh, there's a huge difference there. But my name is Kobe McCormick. The students call me Kobe. Kibbles. There's a lot of names, but the students call me Kobe. I've just come to learn, deal with it, and go with it, and, and that's good. I'm all right with that. I am one of the co-ministers here at Crossridge. Um, my counterpart, Kyle uh, Stone, got the opportunity to preach to you guys last week about anxiety. A little bit of where I'm at right now, but that's okay. But what it also means to completely turn those worries over to the Lord. And I would do myself a major injustice if I didn't do this first, but church, I would love to thank you guys, uh, being mem- my, my wife and I being members here. Uh, through the years, you guys have been able to show us God's love through just taking care of myself, my family, uh, being the hands and feet of Christ, and I just want to extend that thank you to you guys. I would also kind of do a, a little bit of injustice if I didn't thank a few men that have helped me along the way. I would first like to thank Pastor Mark. I consider him to be that like first round draft pick. He, his work, work ethic is just phenomenal. Uh, he goes and his expectations are high, but he takes care of all of us and leads us so well. Uh, Pastor George, this is going to be a stretch, but Pastor George and Pastor John, they're like that two tight end set. They're able to be able to do multiple things and they don't complain about doing them at all. But they do help me along the way. They guide me and instruct me, and they protect me as well. My counterpart, Kyle Stone, he's a doctor, but in this aspect, he's like the running back. You give him the rock, and he just goes. He doesn't look back, and he's there. He's reliable, right? Coach Al, I call him Al. Uh, he's like that defensive play caller you know, in my life. He, he gets the word. He gets the message. He gets the instructions, and then he facilitates his people And he knows where to go, right? But Pastor Daniel, he's he's like that coach, that spiritual coach. Uh, He's been able to guide me, instruct me, and lead me in the way that the Lord is calling. And I thank him for that, and that'll be a round of golf I'll never forget. So Pastor Daniel, I I thank you. And I thank these men that have been able to help me on this co-ministry journey. It's just been simply amazing, and I can't thank you guys enough. But Kyle and myself, we're also bivocational. That means we have full-time jobs besides leading the youth ministry. And I did mention already that Kyle is, he has the cooler profession. He's a doctor, and I'm just, I do something in construction. (laughs) But the Lord has opened this door to begin the seminary journey. I'm a student at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Praise the Lord. Yes, give the Lord a hand. But praise, it can be done all online. Yes. 
But I finished my first class this last semester. My first class was in biblical hermeneutics. And if you asked me what that meant four months ago, I'd have no idea. But biblical hermeneutics is just a fancy way of saying interpreting the Bible. And if you're thinking, ah, maybe Kobe's headed in the scholarly journey. Well, guess what, my friends? I'm laughing right there with you. It's okay to laugh. (laughs) But I'm laughing right there with you. I'm not there yet. But one thing that I've been able to take away from seminary so far is that no matter who you are, God can work through you. You see, I lead students. And if you know me, my mind still thinks like a teenager. Amen. Maybe that's why I connect with the students so much. But if there's one statistic that I'm going to give you guys today, is I'm in the top 1% of non-studious people on this planet. And growing up, I never got A's and B's. As a matter of fact, I struggled with learning. But that was simply because I did not really care about what I was studying And it just didn't, I didn't connect with it. And a lot of that was my own doing. But God prevailed. And I really just wanted to do the bare minimum so I could play sports and hang out with my friends. But he's showing me that I'm capable of doing something I never thought was going to be possible. And if we go back to the seminary part a little bit, no idea what I was doing, but I had to write a book review on New Testament or Old Testament use in the New Testament. And I was like, what is that? But again, the Lord prevailed and I passed. And I was like, yes, give the Lord a hand. At the same time, I'm thinking, I'm like, who am I? Like, I just wrote a book review. But that's the Lord's doing. A brief introduction about Myself, my family, and how we got the crossroads starts with my beautiful wife, my best friend, Mallory. Yes, please give her a hand. We've been married, we've been married 10 years, almost 11. We've been together since the 11th grade. We moved to Little Elm in 2014 after our first child, Lily Grace, who is 12 and also a student in our youth ministry. We wanted to get her plugged into a preschool, get her ready to go into kindergarten. And we came across CPA. My wife came across CPA. We, my wife did. She came across CPA, Crossridge Preschool Academy here. And we quickly bonded with the people that were plugging us in, and uh, we now consider those people to be family. But Mallory and I have been members, since, been members here since 2016, and we got baptized together that same year. Since then, we've had three more beautiful girls. Olivia, on the right, in the green dress, she's nine. She is a full graduate of CPA as well. Little Lucy right there in front, she's four. She's currently enrolled in CPA. And then little LJ, Landry, June, Baby Hulk, whatever she goes by today, I'm not sure. She's two, about to be three in two days, and she's a future CPAer as well. Yes, amen. So, yes, to answer your question, I'm all girls, and I'm very proud girl dad. And to answer your second question, no, I'm not trying for a boy. No, no, we're good. The Lord has blessed us with what we have. 
But the first time we came to service here was Mother's Day 2015. And we were sitting right back over there. I remember it just like it was yesterday. And you know, it was at the time of my life, I was like, ah, I wasn't going to church, attending church, but happy wife, happy life goes a long way, right? Amen to my, my brothers and sisters, right? But at the time of my life, like I said, I strayed so far from God that I, I thought he would never accept me for who I was or what I, what I did in my past. But the Lord had Pastor Mark preaching on David and Goliath, and it was a sermon I would never forget. I've been in many churches in my life growing up in church, and I've heard different pastors preach, and I've never really had that connection. But there was something about God working through Pastor Mark that just made me want to know more, not just about him, but what was going on at Crossridge. And it really stuck with me. And I remember actually being able to stay awake. I got something from it. But I also filled out the little sheet that you guys usually have when Pastor Mark preaches to follow along. And I filled it out. But I got something from it. And it's something that has had an impact on my life ever since. And I'll end this introduction with saying this. I love teaching the next generation. What an honor it is to sit with your kids each week and talk about God and all he has planned for them. And it brings me such joy. And with that, let's remember, I'm not a pastor. I'm an undrafted free agent getting his chance today. So let's buckle up and do this together. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this morning. We give you thanks for leading this time of worship. Lord, I ask that you open the hearts and ears of your people. And I ask that you place a hedge of protection around their minds, that all the earthly distractions fade and your message is received. Lord, we thank you in every moment of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This morning, we'll get to see how God called, equipped, and commissioned Matthew to be the disciple that we know him as today. My prayer is that through a glimpse of God's call on my life, it might help you lead to the greatest choice you'll ever make, you could ever make. And help you guys out, like I said, there will not be a follow-along. This is your second week off. There's, um, you're free to take notes. There's three points on your little bulletin, and you can take notes as you go. As we get started, I'd like to invite you guys to open your Bibles with me to Matthew 9. We'll be in verses 9 through 13 today. This transformational story is about our good friend Matthew. We'll get to see what it means when we are called, equipped, and commissioned from God to live a Christian life. And before this story, Jesus is coming off performing miraculous healings and preaching and teaching to everyone in sight. Jesus has made his commission known to the world, and his eyes are set on saving humanity. Verse 9 reads, As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me, and he rose and followed him. We see that Matthew is said to be a tax collector, and this is important. Don't miss this. Tax collectors were absolutely hated by Jews because it was a Jewish tax collector under Roman authority stealing from their own people. They would often raise those associated taxes 
again for their own benefit. And ultimately, again, they would be stealing their money. And once a tax collector, we know it was publicly known that you were guilty of sin. You were categorized with sinners, as we'll see. But you were guarded or protected by the Roman Empire. And that was what we consider a justification of sin. And to get some clarity and detail, if we can turn to Luke 5, 27 through 28, we'll see. We'll get some more clarity on this. It reads, After this he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And church, if you want to highlight, underline that word, everything, that's important because it's the emphasis on what Matthew left behind. And yes, before you stray too far off, he mentions Levi. It's the same person in Matthew. This name conversion was typical back then, and it showed the new person in Christ, like Saul to Paul, and another stretch, Kobe into Kabi. I said it's a stretch. <laughs> but, so when leaving everything, that meant sometimes your name too. Jesus says, follow me. That's drop everything. This means total commitment to Christ. In church, that's not halfway. Not when we're desperate and in hard times. Not occasionally. That's total commitment. And we know that Christ didn't die on the cross for us halfway. Oftentimes, we're, when we're stuck in a rut in life, and we might not be able to trust the process, see the process unfold, we tend to carry, of a, uh, carry over a little bit of ourselves or what we feel comfortable with us and try to take that step in, but we're still clinging on to something that's holding, that's holding us back. But instead, we must listen to the Lord and drop everything and follow the Lord. The other important thing to take away here is we're not to let the enemy con us into thinking that we must get right with ourselves before we can go to the Lord. And this can be so toxic for new believers and even seasoned Christ, a seasoned Christian. Many times we get to thinking, there is no way that I can go to the perfect father with all of my imperfections. But there's good news, church. Our perfect father died for us so we can lay our imperfections, our burdens at his feet and be washed clean. We are not called to follow Christ after we feel we are right with ourselves. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 reads this. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is an open invitation for you and me to lay our burdens, our anxiety, depression, the missed opportunities, the worry, the sickness, the worldly desires, and anything that is hindering us from having that full commitment to the Lord and lay them at his feet. He wants, to give, he wants us to give them to him. We are not fit to withstand them. 
So we see, as Matthew was quick to leave the old life he was living and follow Jesus into this new life, we see that he equipped Matthew as well. And some of us might have heard this familiar saying, God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. And if you're taking notes and you want to jot this down, please. God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. I don't know who coined the phrase, but I pray for that person every day. In my mind, I believed there is absolutely no way that the Lord could use someone like me. I'm just a below ordinary person that was selfish. But the thing is, the Lord can use anyone. The Lord can use an ordinary person and do extraordinary things through them. One more time. The Lord can use an ordinary person and do extraordinary things through them. And now I didn't coin that phrase either, but it's worthy of writing down. The Lord can use an ordinary person and do extraordinary things through them. And if we look at Jesus' disciples, we know Andrew, Peter, James, and John were all fishermen. Matthew was a tax collector. But they were ordinary people with ordinary professions and did extraordinary things to advance the gospel. And church, I find that as a charge to us and an encouragement that we, Crossridge, Little Elm, students, moms and dads, friends, we could change the world and make heaven crowded. As this being my first time preaching in big church, I feel obligated to help at big church because small church is back there, right? I feel obligated to help you understand how God has been faithfully equipping me in my life. And as I mentioned earlier, throughout my life, I've always been in church, whether it's growing up Catholic in my teenage years, was non-denominational just to fit in, or my current church now. So I've always known who God was, but I did not have that relationship with him. And my testimony, my testimony is based on selfishness. I was always on the pursuit of what Kobe wanted. What could Kobe gain out of anyone and everything? And my disobedience to God, my parents, my family, it started in seventh grade, and it lasted into my mid-20s. I progressively got worse into sin and further from God and my parents. Around the ninth grade, I had started abusing drugs and finding what my next fix was going to be. And I thought that my habits were going to be hidden from my parents, and most importantly, from God. I even would attend church just as, as an excuse to get away and be with my friends. But I continued to abuse drugs and live a life that wasn't pleasing to God. I lived a very social life and thought I had all of these friends that cared about me. And in my mind, that's all I needed. I did not care about my parents' advice, not once. I only cared when they needed to come get me or bail me out of certain situations. I simply was living a very dangerous life. As I graduated high school three, three schools later, it got worse. I started to hang out with dangerous people and found myself in and out of jail, sitting in courtrooms I did not belong in, 
moving from probation officer to probation officer because they did not want to deal with me and possibly facing time in prison. At this, at this time, I thought I was too far gone. And some of you might know this, but when you hit rock bottom, it's a long road back to middle ground. Just to middle ground. We know that the high ground is eternity with Christ, amen? But I'm talking about just to middle ground. I think back often about my own actions and my own doing and know that's where it came from. That my past comes from my own actions and my own fault. But not once did I fully commit my life to Christ. I was the halfway in, the halfway out kind of Christian kind of person when I thought that I needed him, calling on God only at times that I felt that I needed, I needed him most, that I needed him. Key word was when I needed him. But God is faithful, amen? Through people like my wife, my firstborn, family, church members, life teams, shout out, scripture, and most importantly, Jesus, he quit me to be the person that I am today. God saved me by his grace, through my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I was longing to have a relationship with him. I heard the gospel through our Connect class that we offer here at Crossridge and made that commitment that day. I trusted him with my life and knew that my purpose was to follow him. The Lord doesn't promise an easy life, but he promises eternal life. Romans 6.23 reads, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And this verse speaks to me because oftentimes when we indulge in sin, it costs something. It might not be money, and don't overthink it. It costs something. But Christ is telling you and I, That eternal life is free. It doesn't cost you a penny. It just takes us receiving the Holy Spirit and accepting Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. And I'm going to share a little story. My wife, she often asks me questions that makes me me think about my life. And they're, they're good, and sometimes they can be challenging and hard. But they challenge me, and they make me think. And the question that really stumped me recently was, what was the turning point in your life? And I'll be honest, it took me quite some time to differentiate between when I became responsible and then when it changed. I became responsible, loosely, a little bit more responsible, when I had people depending on me, like my daughter and my wife through pregnancy. I grew up little by little, Faced my battles, overcame them, got a job, went to trade school, started paving a way for my family through the grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. I give him all the thanks. But when my life changed was when I gave it over to the Lord completely and was able to sit back and see that every day up until then, the Lord was using my life to equip me to be the person that I am today and to equip me for the call that he's put on my life. 
I would say it was about two years ago when the Holy Spirit started tugging at me and encouraging me to step up in our student ministry. I got the opportunities to teach on Sundays and be able to go to youth camp. And if you don't know what youth camp is, it's like the Super Bowl of youth ministry. And teaching meant preparing week in and week out, which meant that I was in my Bible more, studying. That S word, studying. I don't study. But when God's working through your life, you study. And I was feeling called to lead the students in church. It's hard to preach and live a life that is not pleasing to the Lord. My attitude, my mindset, my whole existence, it started to shift on how the Lord wanted and not what Kobe wanted. When I was first introduced to the student ministry, I got the opportunity to go to youth camp. And I was told I had to do a background check. And I was like, great, here we go. Haven't had a problem with it before, my job. But yes, here at church, buckle up. And I was completely honest and didn't want to hide anything. What was the point? I mean, I needed to tell them what, what my past was like. I was confident. I was good. The Lord has me. Well, I got a call personally from the SBTC director as the South Baptist Texas Convention director. Yes, I did the same thing. Uh-oh. You don't have that number programmed in your phone, right? Say, like, oh, this is Kobe. Oh, this is SBTC's director. Okay. <laughs> he pre- proceeded to tell me so casually, oh, Kobe McCormick can't allow you to go to youth camp from your previous mishaps. And I'm like, okay. A um, little bit in shock here, you know, like, this is the church, right? Like, don't, can't judge me for my past life. Matter of fact, I proceeded to walk him through that. I proceeded to walk him through my background check and kind of give him an understanding of that my trials were 10 plus years ago and that I know who Christ is. And most importantly, that I'm not who that paper says I am. He was a little adamant that he had already made his decision. And I was like, all right. The Lord's been preparing me for this time. I knew it was coming. Lord, please just give me the right words to say to this man. So I proceeded to tell him, Sir, with all due respect, you'll have to make this call every year from here on out as I plan to go to youth camp. That was the face. I was like, oh my gosh, I just got stern with the SBTC director. But God is faithful, amen? Even after a few moments of awkward silence, he asked if I could get a couple letters of recommendation from my church, and he would take them in front of the committee. And long story short, I was able to go. Go, God, go. I've been able to attend camp ever since the years that I'm able to go. Youth camp is, is an amazing visual of God's work. Seeing the kids go from day one to day five 
And that transformation is only something God can do. The spiritual high that we all come back with, and we're ready to set this church on fire, ready to set Little Elm on fire, is something only that the Lord can do. The bonding between the students is simply something only God can do. And of course, seeing the kids give their life to Christ or called into ministry at camp is something only God can do. But I've learned it's not just for the students. It's also for us, the leaders, as well. We get to see God's work through the next generation. Again, the Lord can use any one of us to minister. Eventually, the Lord has opened this door to co-lead the youth ministry with Kyle. And as Kyle mentioned last week, we're on the same boat here. We never would have thought this was going to be something that I was going to be doing, that we were going to be doing together for the glory of the Lord. Church, our testimonies might look different. But when we surrender to the Lord, our mission is the same. To live out the gospel and tell other people about the good news of Jesus Christ. The Lord has taken us all through unimaginable things but he has faithfully brought us here together. And if we look back at Matthew, we can attest that Jesus equipped Matthew. He equipped Matthew to turn away from the evil desires and follow the calling that Jesus put on his life. And we know Matthew's book is referenced often these days and provides biblical truth on Jesus' earthly ministry here and how he, was called, and how he called us to live as Christians. And to reiterate, Matthew made that total commitment to follow Christ. As we finish this verse in Matthew 9, we see how Jesus commissioned not only the Pharisees, but you and I as well. And when we think of that word commission, it reads an instruction, a command, or duty given to a person or group of people. Matthew 9, 10 through 14 reads as this, and as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came to call the righteous, but sinners. That's amazing news, church. That's as best as I could get as Pastor Mark. I, he usually goes, what? This is good stuff. That's usually me in the back. But don't you love when Jesus provides biblical trash talk? You can laugh again. I mean, he's sitting there talking to the Pharisees. I mean, 
you can attest 100%, they were not ready for an attack on their belief. And Jesus told the Pharisees, they should treat sinners the same as anyone else, which threatened their beliefs. And there's something interesting about the way Jesus handled the situation. If we look back, he see, we see he did not allow that answer to come from his disciples. Jesus made sure the Pharisees heard it straight from him so that he could, they could understand the commission of Jesus. And when Jesus says, go and learn what, that, what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, that sacrifice was the Old Testament sacrifice that pleased God. Right in front of them, Jesus is the sacrifice. Right in front of them, and they did not realize it. When we think of the word mercy, the definition is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone. And in society, we, we get that word mercy mixed up with a negative meaning. But when we think about it, that's what Jesus is longing for us. Forgiveness and compassion with a relationship with God through Jesus. Jesus' commission is quite evident to save sinners. Our commission is quite evident. Follow Christ and live a life according to his word and advance the gospel while doing so. As we move into the application points for today, the takeaway from this passage is not only that Jesus came to save sinners. Yes, Jesus came to save sinners. That's you and me. But he also opens the door to the greatest life that you can live. No matter what stage of life that you're in, not yet saved, new believer, or a seasoned Christian, Christ should be at the forefront of your life. When we take this full commitment, we allow Jesus to do wonders in and through us. And when we are called, God calls his people to leave everything and follow him. Each person's everything doesn't always look the same. Everything usually means what you're clinging on to. And for some, that might be job security. And others, it could be addiction. But God calls us to leave it all. When we are equipped by God, we have made the effort to leave it all behind and not look back and let our past define us. In this, Jesus equips us to do his work. He can take our past and allow it to impact other people's future in a way that only he can do. One more time, he can take our past and allow it to impact other people's future in a way only he can do. He commissions us. He challenges us not to keep his good works to ourselves, but rather to tell other people about the change in our lives that happened because of only him. Our testimony is often what helps point other people to him. And then the Lord takes over. And church, if there's something that I can leave you with today, 
is a saying and a charge that I've heard many times, and it's stuck with me. Changed lives change lives. Changed lives change lives. And as we transition into a a time of prayer and response, I'd ask that you bow your heads as the worship team will make their way up. The Lord is inviting you and me to make that full commitment into eternal life. And if you're needing to recommit your life to Christ, he is here waiting. You see, with Jesus giving his all on the cross, his full commitment on the cross, we have the ability to call on him and cleanse our bodies. As our prayer partners come forward, They'll be here to pray for whatever need, care, or concern you might have. I'll be standing at the front, and if this is your first time hearing the gospel, and you're ready to make that full commitment to Christ, we'll be here ready to handle business. The altar is open for you as it always is. We could always use prayer, each and every one of us. We grab a brother and sister in Christ that is hurting or in need. Or you just grab a friend and offer encouragement. The water is full and warm. And if you're ready to profess your faith, we're here for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. We glorify you this morning. We want to follow you. We turn over our burdens and lay them at your feet. As we start this new year, we fully commit our lives to you and let you lead us. We thank you for allowing us to come together in your house and give you praise. I ask if there's anyone that is in need of prayer and might not say so, that you meet them at their need and you meet them there right where they're needed. Lord, we thank you again for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.